0: Hello, welcome to Sports and Songs, episode number eight. This is Dan and Andy, your hosts. Today is January 4th, 2020. Welcome, Andy. How was your weekend? Good. Yourself? Not bad. We had some people over for the New Year's and watched that Gopher Outback Bowl against Auburn. That was a great game to watch. Did you get a chance to see it?
1: Yeah, it was a fun game to watch. Uh, Exciting game. Even game the whole way through, which is Win or lose, that's all you want to see is just a nice close game.
0: What did you think about that kickoff return for a score?
1: Yo, know, we threw the interception. They got a field goal. We answered back with a field goal. Then the kickoff, they ran it back, and I thought, "Oh boy, here we go."
0: Yeah, I, I said the same thing. You know, I'm like, "Oh no." no a-
1: actually, those weren't my exact words, but yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. Uh, I thought, man, they're gonna look bad, but the way they played, I mean, yeah, they won by seven. But when you look at the offensive numbers. It looks like we blew them out, but again, that at kickoff return, short field for a field goal that's 10 easy points right there with no yardage. And what was the final score for the listeners out there? It was uh, 31 24.
0: So, and the line was seven, I believe, Auburn by seven, so a 14 point swing. Yep, very, very good. But yes, if you look at the stats and you take away that that short field and the field goal and that interception or that kickoff for a score, um. we actually could have won by seventeen, eighteen 17, points. Yeah. Seventeen
1: points. Okay. And that that win right there, it's it's got to be great for recruiting too, because we beat Auburn, and no offense to other schools, but we didn't beat Middle Tennessee State or we didn't beat you know Arizona State. We beat Auburn, who you see on TV almost every week or every other week. You hear their name all the time. So we beat a well-known team to Joe average college football fan.
0: Correct. And they beat Alabama this year, right? And they, so, they yeah. had a couple other big wins. They had three losses, but they are in the SEC conference, and all those losses are conference losses for them, which are all tough matchups.
1: Yeah, and the SEC is all you hear about. They're, they're the big leagues. You know, they're, they're the conference to beat. And, well, we did. We beat them. So um, congratulations to PJ and the staff there and the team and the kids. I mean, that's just that was a great win for them. And a lot of the seniors, you look what they've gone through the last four years, they've gone through it. Four, three. This is our third coach in four years. Correct. You know uh, the Jerry Kill stuff when they started. Um, the transition with that, the transition to PJ Flack. So and Tracy Clays. Tracy Clays, was, yep. So Inter that, for a while, yep. So
0: that whole group of seniors now that are graduating um, went through a lot. The nice thing about next year now and the, and the future years is that we've got some consistency uh, with some of the the uh, actual recruits. From PJ Fleck coming up here in the next uh, next few years. So,
1: yeah, yep. like I said, this game is going to be great for recruiting. Um, we did lose our offensive coordinator though. He did uh, did not call this game. He uh, went to Penn State, and uh, the Gophers have replaced him already. Uh, did they make a hire? They hired up the uh, guy from Utah. With a, with a receivers coach who did call. He is staying on as a co-offensive coordinator. They kind of did the two offensive coordinator thing. Kind of worked good for the Vikings this year, having offensive coordinators matching like that.
0: Um, yeah, and so for the for the listeners out there, because he left the program and went to Penn State before the bowl game took place, they had to use the wide receivers coach Matt Simon as the uh, yep. offensive
1: coordinator to actually call the plays for the Outback Bowl, and, and he did really well. Yeah, but PJ Fluck, they did hire Mike Sanford Jr. from Utah State. Okay, he was the offensive coordinator there. Um, Sanford's 37. He's been coaching for 15 years. Uh, he's been quarterback coach and offensive coordinator at some schools. Like I say, he came from Utah State. He's also worked as quarterback coach uh, with Western Kentucky. He's done some time at Notre Dame and some other big schools. So He's, he's been with big-name programs. Um, so recruiting is to big schools, he's, he's gone through that. Uh, he's always been offensive or quarterback-orientated, so this isn't new to him. Uh, to be hired this quick, I don't know if he was on a short list for P.J. already. I don't know how he came up with the name so fast like that. I'm glad they did.
0: Yeah, they moved quick. I know they had two two big answers the Gophers needed in the offseason. One is to replace the offensive coordinator, and the other is to see what is uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. going going to, uh, to do. Now, he's coming out. Is that for sure? Did he actually declare? I,
1: I haven't heard if he's signed with anyone or not yet.
0: Uh, what do you mean signed with an well, agent? With an agent. Okay, with an agent. So then, was did he take part in the combines? Or are those he, are coming up? They're coming up. Okay. I haven't heard of him gotcha. going yet. So that was the other the other thing. That'll be a big impact. And I'm guessing that he will leave and, and declare and get drafted to go pro. He just finished his junior season. But if he comes back and stays, uh, they're really going to be good.
1: Well, I know that's the thing with some of these college players. It really kind of gets me a little bit. They oh, I don't want to play in that bowl game and hurt my pro status. Correct. Um, no offense to a lot of you go Gopher players that sat out. You're not going that high anyway. Playing can only help. Yeah, you don't want to get injured, but you know what? Again, isn't that what you play college football for? College sports for us for your postseason tournaments. You try to get to that bowl game. You try to. Your goal is to get to the bowl game and play
0: on national television, yep. and then to sit it out. Seems quite odd, but they want to. Uh, Rather take the take the risk off the the potential money and the salary they could make in the NFL right.
1: pro, but
0: yeah, I, I see your point.
1: I it could hurt or could help you, but you know, I don't think a bad game would hurt you. I think injury is what's hurting them, is why they sit out. They're not afraid of a, a lemon of a game to hurt their stock. A good game and just one bowl game, that's going to move you from what a seventh round pick to a sixth round pick. I mean,
0: yeah, you're, you're not, you're, you're not going
1: to make that much. So basically, if they sit out. They're sitting out just to save injury, which. I don't know. You, you've kind of let down the other guys on the team that you played with all year, and now you're saying, "Sorry, guys, I'm not going to play." Yeah, yeah. You better get drafted and not go. Oh, I didn't get drafted. I'm coming back because that's going to be an ugly locker room when you come back. And then for the for the backups,
0: uh, for the players that don't play, uh, you know, the backups are looking for that as an opportunity to start or to get more playing time in a major bowl game like this, which really benefits them. Yeah. But it's a. Uh,
1: Those are the five guys who love it. Those are the five guys who love it.
0: They're the ones who who love it. Now, speaking of seniors, I know we got the Senior
1: Bowl coming up. Do any gophers, do we have gophers that are playing in the Senior Bowl? I have not seen the lineups, but the thing I do like about the Senior Bowl this year, and I know from the last few years from uh, following North Dakota State, that they do invite some Division II or FCS players to those games also. So that's always fun to watch too, yeah. Um, You know, they've, you know Easton Stick of, NDSU played last year in it. Okay, um, but I got some other guys going this year, so always fun to watch all good players play. Um, that's where you kind of see some names of the linemen, uh, some of the defensive coordinators, the kickers, punters, the the non pretty names, the ones you don't hear all the time, like the quarterbacks, the Correct, receiver. correct. You see the other guys come out. That's what I like seeing is those games right there. And yeah, they're having fun, but those guys are playing to win in those games too. Unlike the NFL Pro Bowl, where they're just
0: there. Yeah, it could also increase their stock. A lot of these guys who also aren't going anywhere on that for that senior bowl, it's the last time for them to play to close out their career if they're not going into sports.
1: Yeah, now that's the game, the senior bowl. That's the game that can move you up a, a round or two in the draft, mm-hmm. not your bowl game. And the, and the amount of scouts
0: that are at a game like that yeah. as well.
1: For all, there, are not. Some scouts are at the Outback Bowl. So, so many bowl games on a certain day, you can't see all of them at once, so.
0: And for the scouts at a game like that, if you're not going to be drafted, you're at least in the mix to be signed as a free agent after the draft is complete to get picked up on uh, by some of these teams yep. that they may not have even um, heard of you before. And if a good game like that in that senior bowl, it's a good chance to get uh, picked up later to attend, at least to, uh, get an invite for the training camp.
1: Yeah. You get the practice squad team. At least you're still getting a check from an NFL team, you know, and, uh, Adam Thielen started out that way, and that's kind of worked out pretty good for him. Mm. You know, be that's on the right. practice, practice squad, walk on, pay your dues. It's, there is no minor league in football, so it's kind of the minor league in a way for some guys to, to work their way up.
0: And there are only seven draft rounds in the NFL, so it's not like baseball where there's 40. There is seven. So once those seven go, your only chance to make it then is to get picked up or signed as a free agent. So or you can always hope for the XFL, I guess, this next exactly. year. Exactly. You know, that's right. Or oh, Exactly. Um, anything – okay, do you want to start on uh, – you want to go college? I'm going to go University of Minnesota Golden Gopher Sports, Andy.
1: Yeah, i got some uh, Gopher recap stuff here. Uh, the Mariucci Classic recap. Um, the Gophers went out with Doug Luke patches on their jerseys, ready to go. And uh, the Gophers, who weren't doing real good going into it, did win the Mariucci Classic with a win over St. Cloud State. And that's a tough
0: – The I saw the teams that were invited to that Classic, and that is – and the, uh, Those
1: were the tough. two worst teams record wise playing in the championship wow. game. And then Mankato State who was number two in the nation at the time. They beat the uh, State in the third place game. So the Beavers, the Beavers, who had a winning record going into it, also so the two teams with winning records played in the third place game. So that, that's <laughs> what you have about these tournaments in college and high school sports, you know. Um, so that made the Gophers now seven and nine and four. Their next game is the 10th at Michigan State. Uh, the Gophers are not ranked, of course, on the men's side. North Dakota is still holding down the number one seed. Uh, in go Gopher Hockey, the women are ranked two nationally, 15-1-3. Uh, hmm. uh, Wisconsin's number one, so good, good games right here, good teams right here. Uh, the Lady Gophers, their next games are the fourth and fifth against the Yale.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, basketball for the Gophers. Uh, the men split last week, 1-1, one one, so they're 7-6, 1-2 in the Big Ten. Uh, their next games are Northwestern on the 5th. And January 9th at number fourteen, Michigan State. Uh, Gonzaga is currently number one in the NCAA. Uh, and this is the sixth team to be number sixth, one right? already. So I don't know if you want to be number one or not right now. But it's uh, been
0: like, jinxed this in the preseason here in the early part of the season.
1: Uh, the women Gophers, Lady Gophers, are number twenty-four nationally. Uh, Eleven and two. They did split last week. Uh, the next couple games are at Nebraska and then home against Northwestern. And surprisingly, UConn is number one in yeah. women's basketball.
0: Surprise, surprise. The Huskies.
1: As as the final four is kind of known in women's basketball, the UConn Invitational. It is. Um, wrestling the Gophers are still 15. Uh, they had the South Beach duels last week in Fort Lauderdale. They went 3-1. One. Their one loss was to Lehigh University, which is ranked 14th. Okay. But the highlight of it all for the Gophers, they beat Duke. Now, I don't follow college wrestling scoring very well. Mm-hmm. But first of all, anytime you beat Duke to me is a good thing. They beat Duke 53 to nothing. Now I think you, me and five other guys could wrestle the Gophers and get a couple points out of it. Um, uh, to lose 53 to nothing, I didn't see the actual matches or scoring from it. There was like forfeits in there or what, but wow, 53 to nothing. I don't know. How and that and
0: there's, and there's 10 and there's 10 weights. So that means they won all 10. Um, uh, and for the Gophers as good as they are, it's not surprising, but you're right. Uh, a shutout at college level is, is hard to do nonetheless.
1: Hey, if you're someone, we get something in there somewhere. But, uh, their next up is against Wisconsin, the 10th at the pavilion. Nice. And tickets for these events aren't that expensive. So if you go down and see a naturally ranked team, see Wisconsin. The Pavilion's a good spot to see a more intimate setting there. Yep. 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 And, uh, of course, in Russell, Iowa is still number one there.
0: The Hawkeyes, number one.
1: Yep. Yep. And, uh, that's what I got for Gopher sports right now. Um, you can always find every week after this, uh, starting here for this season, uh, every week I'll use, uh, Gopher rankings and that we will be posting later on in the weekend on the Facebook page.
0: Well, that'll be very good. Um, anything else then for Gopher sports? It's busy this winter's time of the year. It is It is very, very busy.
1: Yeah, very busy. I just want to mention that um, the stats on there were, uh, you know, that's all off the NCAA website. It's nothing that um, that's where you go to if you want to follow these stats more. Follow the week NCAA.org. dot org. They have all the sports and the teams ranked on there.
0: We also have for those following the college bowl games. Last night's for all those following the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, Ohio thirty Nevada twenty one last night. And now we get into after the big games, we get into some of these. Um, some of the duds. We get the January 4th today, in fact, starting here in a couple hours, the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl, Southern Miss against Tulane.
1: You figure the Armed Forces Bowl, one of the military branches be playing in that game? Well, I looked, that's the first thing I looked at when
0: I saw that it was Southern Mississippi versus Tulane. Usually you get uh, an Army or Navy in there. And uh, this year, not the case. That takes place in Fort Worth, Texas. And then January 6th, Lending Tree Bowl, Louisiana versus Miami of Ohio. That takes place each year in Mobile, Alabama. That's a night game on the 6th. So that's Monday night. And then as we wrap up the dud bowls on some of these, oh, we get the national championship. January 13th is the number one versus three. Is it the LSU Clemson ball game? Yeah. And so that's the big, the granddaddy of them all. That's, that's Monday night, January 13th. And we'll do a, I think a prediction show next week on that, wow. as that comes up. Yep. And we also have for division for the FCS, North Dakota State. Against James Madison on the 11th. On the 11th. And that's a, that's always on a Saturday. Saturday. That's yep. a Saturday. So we're getting down to the final weekend here. But, boy, that Gopher game was really good to have the Outback Bowl. Victorious over Auburn. Now, what's the Big Ten's record?
1: Uh, there were four. Four and four. Four and four.
0: And then, well, two nights ago, Indiana lost. Tennessee came from behind and beat Indiana 23-22, so I think they're 4-5, and five, and there was only nine. Yeah.
1: Nine of our 12 teams made bowl games.
0: <laughs> and four of them won, five of them lost, but all of them were very good. Gophers' win was probably the, the best, I think, of uh, all those games. Uh, very, Very fun to watch. All right, sounds good. All right, let's move on to the high school sports here. State of Minnesota, what have you got for us, Andy? Well,
1: so really, as we're getting into the basketball and hockey season here, not really a lot of scores or teams to review right at this point. It's kind of getting started in it. Um, do have the top three rankings in classes for boys and girls for basketball and hockey. Okay, and These are all from uh, MinnesotaBasketballHub.com, and then for the hockey, it was from HockeyNews.com. So these aren't, again, my – my personal rankings or anything else, these are from high school publications where they rank it. Um, what they do for the high school sports, after the regular season, these teams are seeded before their tournaments and it's based on these rankings. So kind of having a little idea coming in. Like I said, there's no recap of the games yet, no game of the week or anything. Just uh, hear the names, hear your alma mater if you're out there or schools you like or don't like, and, you know, if you should be excited or not for your team. I'll start with boys basketball, 4A. The big schools. We'll just do the top three on all of them. Uh, Ian Prairie at number one, Park Center, two, and Creighton-Durham Hall is three.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, 3A, Minnehaha Academy, De La Salle, and then Cato East. Not a big surprise there for 3A for those schools. No. 2A is Wasika, Caledonia, and Lake City. And 1A is Bold, Henning, and Ada. Are go That rounds out for boys basketball. Ada
0: Borup. Okay. Yep.
1: And for girls basketball, I lost surprises here for number one. 4A, number one is Hopkins, then Farmington and Park Center. Uh, and 3A, De La Salle, Academy of Holy Angels, and Red Wing. 2A is Sock Center, the Rochester Lords, and Fergus Falls. Uh, that rounds off 2A, and uh, 1A is Miniota, Cromwell, and Mountain Iron Bowl. And oh. that's all based off Minnesota Hub. Or Minnesota Basketball Hub rankings. And so I see the for the for
0: the high school, um the number one recruit um is out of Eaton Prairie, Minnesota for girls. And I think that's the number one recruit in the entire nation. Yes. Yep. Yeah. That is that is huge. And And then she gets she is part of that Hopkins team that's ranked number one in the state. Yes. So she's heavily recruited. I just found out that out uh, this weekend when we had some friends over for New Year's Eve that the number one recruit was uh, actually from you know, out of Hopkins, Minnesota, in the nation. So that's very, very huge. Now, I think she's going to have to be – I don't know if she's committed anywhere yet, but I don't think the Gophers, once again, are in the mix.
1: Not yet, but with Lindsey Whalen they're coaching now, and they're ranked 24th in the nation. Hopefully, uh, hometown girls will start staying at home.
0: And she's a point guard. Uh, very, very interesting. Yep. And
1: we're getting the hockey now. Let's and, do hockey. And hockey, these, these, these change a little bit. They're all top 3 or kind of be the same usual, year long, but kind of some surprises here for me. Uh, hockey, it's just two classes, 2A and 1A. Boys, 2A is White Bear Lake first, Eden Prairie second, and over third. And over, okay. Kind of weird. night seeing seen a Minnetonka or an Eden Prairie. Or, or I mean, I mean, Minnetonka or Edina or something like that. Yes. Like that. Um. And 1A is Hermantown, War Road, and East Grand Forks, which is not shocking.
0: Not shocking either with those.
1: Girls 2A, Andover 1. And then here we get the normal. 2, Edina, 3, Minnetonka. Um, And 1A is Breck, War Road, and Cloquet, Esco, and Carlton. So the 1A, Breck, and War Road are always kind of usually up there, so that's good to see. Uh, The girls hockey, Edina, Minnetonka usually up there. Andover 17 and 0 for Andover right this year. So... uh, they seem to be the team to beat for mm. girls hockey right now, but as those seasons get going, um, now that the New Year's here, the, they're kind of down with their holiday tournaments. Fun to watch high school hockey is to me more fun than basketball. I don't know. They see more crowd chants and everything else in a hockey game, uh. So it's a fun one to watch. A lot of I mean the kids in all sports give 110 percent. Don't get me wrong, but hockey I think is more enjoyable to watch live compared to basketball for high school sports.
0: Very, very fast. Very quick, uh, quick-paced, action-packed. Now, in wrestling, I did see in this last uh, last week, the high school wrestling tournament invitational is called the Rumble on the Red. They take place up in, uh, in Grand Forks every year and invite, they invite, I think it's 54 teams from around the nation, mainly from the Midwest, and the New Prague Trojans won it this year. First right. time ever for them to win. Usually it's the... It's the bigger schools that are that are winning it or at least placing in the top, uh, top, top 10. So when I saw that result, I had to do a double take there. But they've got a good squad this year as well. Uh, in and that is in wrestling.
1: High school wrestling is really fun to watch. It's it's hard on the nerves to me. it's all just go, go, go for three minutes and you stop and go for three minutes and stop. So it's very intense, very, very nervy, very edge of the seat. Where basketball or hockey or something else can kind of lull, lull you a little bit, catch you off guard. But wrestling, yeah, don't drink a lot of pop when you go to wrestling because you don't have time to go to the bathroom. There's always something going on somewhere. <laughs> yes. All right. Anything else for or high school sports or high school varsity sports? Uh, not high school, but we do have uh, some pro football news to go into before we go over for the playoffs. Oh, yes. Let's cover let's cover some pro sports. There's a couple coaching coaching vacancies coming up we'll talk about next. Okay.
0: All right, let's move into some miscellaneous professional sports news and updates. What have you got for us, Andy?
1: Um, I just have one little basketball note. Uh, former Commissioner David Stern passed away this week. I know he had some health issues later on. Um, he's kind of credited with making the NBA a worldwide entity. Um, brought in Yao Ming from China, moved games to overseas for different things, and he kind of really brought in the game the way it is. Stern, he uh, yes. was also known Gary Bettman, who's an NHL commissioner, worked with him under him, and Bettman helped make the NHL a little better. Um, and then Adam Silver, who's the commissioner now in basketball, was David Stern's uh, assistant commissioner there, and so he's following his legacy. So it's always kind of in the same tree of his, same styles, but David Stern passing away uh, really helped bring the NBA back into some say almost the number one sport for a while there, but make it a strong three with that in football, with baseball, football, basketball, kind of the top three interchangeable times of the year.
0: And speaking of notable death, deaths, uh, NFL, former head coach, Sam Weish uh, died age 74 this week. And also uh world
1: series, perfect game pitcher, Don Larson died. Yeah. You know, Larson would always every now and then show up at, you know, Yankee events, you know, alumni things every now and then, um, Sam Wesha always did you hear his name every now and then at round table events in the offseason. Both uh very I mean Sam helped with the Bengals made them kind of a not a laughing stock anymore for a while, kind of made them respectful for a little bit. And Don Marzakas, of course, that perfect game in the World Series. Nineteen fifty four, was it? I believe so.
0: If my history is correct. If here. your memory serves correctly. Now the NHL announced their uh, winter classic location for twenty 20- 2021. 2021. And where will that be? That will be a
1: target Field,
0: The winter classic. And what that is, for the listeners not familiar,
1: that's an NHL game outdoors they hold um, once a year, right? Yeah. A few years ago, they had an outdoor series where a few different games were played. Uh, I believe uh, TCF Bank had held, held the game. I know I was at TCF Bank for a gopher game, for an outdoor game a few years ago. there. It is an incredible thing to see. It, to see a, you don't realize how small the rink is to see it on a football field.
0: Yeah. And they played on an
1: NFL, uh, NFL or a major
0: league baseball stadium, um, during the off season of those sports. And instead of drawing 20,000 uh, attendance for roughly for a hockey game, they're, they're getting 50, 60,000 people.
1: 80,000. So, 80. 80, yeah. It was in Dallas. <laughs> um, what was like fifty some degrees? Uh, but it's incredible. What they can do They keep the ice good. I mean, the a player like it, I remember a couple of years ago, the NHL winter classic was in Los Angeles. <laughs> that was kind of weird to see, but, um, yeah, I don't know how they do it. I was a math major, not a science major, so I don't know how they figured that in to do it. But uh,
0: yeah, and they keep the ice uh, really good for the players. Now, the 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 challenge for these games is that they are pre-selected the date ahead of time, so the fans showing up do not know what kind of weather conditions they will have to endure, whether it's a, a rain, snow, sleet, um, wind, uh, or whatever. But that is becoming a very popular event each year, and these and these stadiums are putting in their bids, you know, years in advance to try to qualify to get even uh, nominated to get this game. So for Target Field, congrats.
1: Well, the, year, the game I was at at TCF Bank a few years ago, it was like, I, I kid you not, like 20 below that night. But you know what? You're watching hockey. It was a beautiful thing. Nice. Hockey, otherwise, I've seen the games where they played where it's been snowing, and they got to come out and shovel during some time off oh, yes, and stuff. yes, You know, uh, you, it's like when you watch Hockey Day in Minnesota here, they have a Hockey Day where the high school teams go play, the Gophers will play a game up there, um, and the goalies over their big goalie masks have a stocking cap on over that. It's, it's kind of funny. and It gets a little weird to get used to watching in the first period, uh, but yeah, it's it's hockey outdoors is is a middle sort of thing. It's a northern U.S. thing. Um, yeah, I suggest you look it up on YouTube to watch some of the games in the past, or NHL TV to see some of the pro games in the past. They are it's different, but it's fun. It's fun to see
0: the the environment and how they make that. You know, a Yankee Stadium hosted it in the past. Uh, Fenway Park. Wrigley Field had one. Wrigley Field. Very interesting to see how um, a stadium that size can be converted over to a uh, a hockey rink. College
1: basketball tried an outdoor game, preseason games, a couple times on the, on the ships. Uh, preseason games on warships. Yes. And that's been a little different. I know the NBA's talked about wanting to have outdoor games. I don't know if they do as a preseason thing or not. I don't know if they could really do it as a regular season game. Too many, too many uh, issues with sunlight, I guess. Unless they kind of shaded the area somehow, out of the some of the prima donnas in the NBA would go for an outdoor regular season game. But I can see them doing it at a preseason event. That'd be kind of a fun thing to watch if they had it outdoors somewhere. Uh, you hear about the old school guys like Tim Hardaway who were streetball players. Who kind oh of, yes. So things like that. So it'd be kind of fun to see an outdoor game. They, I don't know if they do it on the asphalt or again because of the players with their health issues, ankles, and stuff like that, they'd have to somehow get a floor outside to do it. I don't how the college games did it on that ship. That'd be kind of fun, something like that. Maybe shorten the time so it's not a full game or something. But that'd be an exciting thing to watch.
0: And they've got, um, you know, currently in the preseason, they do have a tournament down in the Bahamas, I think, yep. and a preseason tournament up in Alaska. Yep. But those are, those are still indoors on basketball courts. Yep. Uh, what they're looking for is trying to do something outdoors, something to make that uh, noticeable difference yeah. as far as uh, to the, that NHL, that Winter Classic is, is a very popular deal, and other sports are trying to do similar types of things. Yep. Um, but what have we got for uh, coaching changes? Now we're in the well, season, and NFL coaching changes, this time of year is is big.
1: Well, after, I don't know what took three days of meetings to do, but it sounds like Jason Garrett's going to be on as coach of the Dallas Cowboys. The <laughs> I, I, story I heard is Jason Garrett's been with the Cowboys for over 20 years, being a player, players. a backup player, player, an assistant coach, coach. He's been there forever. Um, from what I understand, my sources tell me um, that the reason he went for three days is Jason Garrett wanted to do the exit interviews with the players because the deal was with this contract, it was done when the season's over. And Jason Garrett was arguing that the exit interviews with the players is part of the season. Ah, uh, uh, you know, Yeah. Okay. And when okay, oh, hey, now when the final gun uh, yeah, fires so, of the game, right. So that took three days to figure out. Okay, good, he's done. And I don't know. Uh, Jason Garrett was a good player, good coach, but he just reminded me of all the Walton boys all the time. I just couldn't take him seriously as a mm-hmm. football coach. He just seemed too nice. I'm sure he'd be a great coordinator, but just he didn't have that bite that a head coach needs. You know.
0: And in Dallas, you're playing in a tough environment with Jim Jones, or Jerry Jones. You need to win, much like New York in, in baseball. It's just not acceptable. And I think the stat that I read in the last nine years, they've only made playoffs three
1: times. Yep, and it was an every other year deal too. So next year's supposed to be another year.
0: So that's uh, and what we call uh, what has been known is in NFL coaching land is Black Monday. Um, the very monday following the nfl regular season that ends uh, for the newer listeners out there is uh, most of the firings uh, take place in the very next day
1: and there's um, only really three this year which is kind of weird
0: the big the big names the big uh big names all come in you know usually this week uh but the first ones are always announced the very next day because there's no monday night football on right. the final week 17 of the nfl season so they fire them on mondays and they call it black monday so those are the some of the big names.
1: And there was one firing mid-season, Ron Rivera, the Panthers, was let go. Usually there's about one mid-season that someone somewhere was let go. All right, he was let go. And also at the end of the season, Freddie Kitchens of the Cleveland Browns was let go. Pat Shermer of the Giants, one and done, gone. And uh, the Redskins fired their manager, and general manager, but the Redskins have already rehired Ron Rivera as a head coach. And they signed Jack Del Rio uh, from Oakland as a defensive coordinator.
0: Del so the, Red, Rio, okay. the Redskins
1: are getting names out there right away. Um, and Mike McCarthy, former coach of the Packers, is being rumored to replace Pat Shurmur with the Giants. A lot of movements. And the other reason they try to get these done as
0: soon as they can is because we have mini camps and draft coming up. And yep. They want to get things uh, get the dust settled at the start of the new season because all of this already starts uh, you know, fairly soon. A lot of movement, though. Now, how about any updates on the Minnesota Vikings uh,
1: yeah. staff? Yeah, well, not Vikings staff, but speaking of hiring, uh, as of this morning, uh, Saturday morning, the Vikings have signed Marcus Sherrill for the playoffs, uh, which is kind of weird about football, that you could sign a player in the playoffs. Um, but they did sign punt returner, quarterback Marcus Sherrill, who will be replacing cornerback Mike Hughes, who's out with a severe neck injury. Well, that'll be interesting. So uh, yeah, not very often you get signed uh, to the playoffs. But um, they can in that, in that sport. That's one of their things. So uh, Marcus Scherl back with the Vikes. He's
0: exciting. Uh, he's a, a former gopher. Uh, good, very good punt returner. Former
1: Viking, so he kind of knows the system. Former Viking, sure. Yeah, you know, so I don't know if they're going to use him. How much as cornerback? To use a punt returner? If there's some fresh blood in there to mix things up? Why, what they're going to use him as? But sometimes I don't think they know until it happens either. It's the playoffs. You've got to play with, you know, goes and goes.
0: And then any other changes uh, in 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 football? Any football, basketball, hockey updates? We'll get to baseball here in a second. That's
1: what I got for those sports right now. Now, yeah. for
0: baseball, we got the Hot Stove League, the yes. actions and players signed free agency here in the offseason. We've got some movement, and we've got some also um, what I would call p- potential um, th- theories that are out there. Um, what do you want to start off with first, Andy? Uh,
1: I just got a couple twins twin notes here. First of all, a couple of signings. Uh, one, a left-handed pitcher Rich Hill, uh, 39 years old, was four and one last year, uh, 2.45 ERA. <clears throat> excuse me, uh, 58 and two-thirds innings pitched, 72 Ks. Uh, early in his career, he was a reliever, and then in 2015, he went to Boston, and later the Dodgers, and that's where he became a starter. So when he looked at his career record, he's got a career record of uh, 65 and 42. 3.82 8, 3. ERA, uh, 937 in the third innings pitched, just over 1,000 Ks. So usually it's the other way around. He starts as a starter, then go to a reliever. Uh, 39 years old, left handed pitcher. Lefties, if you can still throw a ball in baseball, you're going to play it forever like Jamie Moyer did. So uh, Rich Hill was signed to a one year deal. Uh, you might recognize Rich Hill's name from the police blotter, if you will, for oh, the Boston yes. area this weekend. Um, and, you know, if you read just the headlines, it's like for anything. You know, you read the headline and it's like, oh, no. And then you read the rest of the story. It's like, oh, that headline was garbage. Um, free agent Rich Hill, free at the time, free agent pitcher Rich Hill was arrested outside Gillette Stadium before Sunday's Patriots Bills game. Ooh, big controversy. What's going on? Well, what happened is wife um, was having her bag checked to get in the game. And it was kind of a bigger bag and she didn't want to give it up. She wanted to take her bag in. She was arrested on charges of disorderly conduct and trespassing. Uh, So when Rich Hill saw officers putting her in the prisoner transport van, that's when he intervened with police. Uh, Hill saw her and then he was trying to get her to the van to the police station. And he started to interfere with the officers. He was then told several times to back up and he would not. So he ended up in the van to himself. So yeah, he went to his wife's aid. Yeah. She was being a little bit of a diva about it, but you know what? Uh, His wife was, two of the two charges were turned into civil uh, altercations, and she was uh, ordered to pay a $250 fine. Richel was ordered to pay $500 for a single count of disorderly conduct he faced. Hmm. Being a Major League Baseball player, he probably had that in his couch cushions and paid that right away. But uh, the other free agent signing for the Twins, David Dwight Bailey Jr., or as you might know him as Homer Bailey 33-year-old right-handed pitcher, 13-9 and nine last year, uh, 4.57 ERA, 163 in the third innings, 149 Ks. He is 80-86 and 86 overall in his career, ironically 4.57 ERA, uh, just under 1,400 innings pitched with 1,150 Ks. But uh, I don't have any – do you have any notes on Homer Bailey? Well,
0: Homer Bailey is a right-handed pitcher, and it will work out, I think, good for the Twins this season. He's a former number one pick. By the Cincinnati Reds and played, I think, twelve seasons with them, and always a starter. And was involved in that Yaziel Puig tweet uh, trade that brought oh, him yeah. over to the Dodgers yeah. and sent Puig to the Reds. And so, Twins fans aren't going to r- recall Homer Bailey too much. The National League team, Reds, we don't really hear too much about them. But he's been a starter all those years. Nothing overly impressive with him. Uh, can eat up a lot of innings, but. I think three times in his career he's hit double digits and wins. He's a right-handed pitcher. He's thirty-three, thirty-four years old. Rich Hill, a lefty who's age thirty-nine. They're they're just looking to get some veteran leadership out there, I guess. They're not big blockbuster deals, but they're serviceable.
1: I think they're both trying kind to of fill up innings. So uh, Michael Patea comes back from the suspension too.
0: And that and that could be the case. I know we you know uh, Kyle Gibson was uh, signed somewhere else, and he's going to play somewhere else, and he's another guy that's been with the twins all these years brought up to the farm system and a number one former number one pick um draft pick and so this is kind of what i think of for us getting a, a, a guy like homer bailey been around for a while former number one pick um nothing that'll blow you away but uh another one-year deal but i think serviceable pitcher and will eat up some innings for for the twins and now we've got these two guys along with jose barrios Uh, and Odorizzi.
1: Odorizzi, yeah, so there's our four.
0: And so it'll be interesting to see what comes of it, but I think this should be serviceable.
1: Uh, I like the addition of uh, Rich Hill, uh, lefty, so being positive, make the playoffs next year. Cleveland kind of seems to be in rebuilding mode. Um, White Sox are trying to put some pieces together, but I think they're a year or two away. Uh, The Royals are the Royals. So Twins should make the playoffs again this year. Be a tough team to beat. I like where they're going by not getting one big free agent and hoping everybody else does well. They're a lot of better than average players, and that's kind of been the Twins' mo over the years.
0: Yeah, I think that too. This, these two, these tier two type of uh, pitchers, the Twins are good at, at picking up. And you never know when these guys like that um, do well. I know we got Jonathan Scope and C.J. Crone, infielders last year. that were type of the same guys coming off injuries, coming off average seasons and you never know what the new chemistry with the new team they may break out big and they did and i think rich hill just had tommy johnson yeah that's why he was going four and one last year the, the the year before so you never know you're taking a chance on these guys but i'm sure they uh, the, uh thad levine uh, and Derek Falby, do their homework to get guys like this now they are in talks speaking of potential free agent pickup theories uh josh donaldson
1: Four years, 100 million is the talk I hear. He's got him and a few other teams.
0: Three or that's, four teams are looking, and I think the Twins are
1: right now the, the favorites. Yeah, that's the numbers coming out. And I think uh, that'd be kind of interesting to see him here. You know, like I said, big name, but not a superstar name. Not a going to draw the media here name, but a good serviceable player that those who follow baseball have heard of. A name who's he'll probably make the all star team or his name will be brought up for that, but it's not Ooh. the power hitter. Yep, good power hitter, which we've already got. Nelson fruit
0: very good power hitters on this squad. And if we were to get a guy like that move, a uh, Miguel Sanota first as an everyday player and have a Josh Donaldson type of player at third base, well, that could be quite interesting, but we should find out hopefully by our show next week, we could have an answer on that next
1: week or the week after. Yeah. We should know by the end of the month, really because uh, right around Valentine's day is when pitchers and catchers go down and report and you do that. Most of your guys signed by then.
0: All right. Anything else for, uh, Miscellaneous Pro Sports. That's all we got for sports. Well, let's head into the NFL Wild Card Weekend next. Yes. All right. Well, it's NFL Wild Card Weekend, Andy. What are uh, some of your thoughts for the games? They start today, two today, two on
1: Sunday. I kind of like the format for the times on games. It's uh, uh, fourth, well, these will be central time, a 3.30 start and an 8.15 start on Saturday. And then Sunday are your regular conservative times, a noon and a 3.40 start. I well, like the Saturday afternoon, evening, kind of. You got a little college football sometimes in the mornings. That's why they have to do that, give college their their day to figure out stuff there. It kind of gives everything else. Four games, four networks, everybody gets a team. Yeah, that's what's different about this. So that's kind of this. fun, too, is you're not stuck with Oh, boy. So that's what's kind of fun. Everybody gets on one last shot at our announcers. But the games, I mean, you know, I really like the matchups this year. And with the four wildcard games, I'm looking at them. We get the point spread and everything else. Even though the one game's got a huge point spread, I really wouldn't be surprised either one of these ways they go. I really wouldn't. I mean, no matter who wins, I'm going to be like, yeah, I can see that coming. And i could be like, oh, what an upset. I'm not going to be that upset. Shocked by
0: it. And typically with what I've seen in the past, Andy, is wild card weekend. They are not all the home teams win. Not all right. the favorites win. You right. know there's going to be an upset or possibly two. I think there was one year that there was three of the four games were upsets. But yeah. you really can't tell it's a crapshoot. You also have weather to come into play right. on some of these games this type of year.
1: Yeah, this is the one I mean, weekend where I think home field has absolutely nothing to do with it. Um, but of our four games... So you, know, you got division winners, a lot, you know, the wild card team at the division winner. Um, AFC has the Saturday games. Got Buffalo at ten and six at Houston, who's also ten and six. Houston is a two and a half point favorite. but forty three and a half over under. Uh, Houston is favored by two and a half, but I got Buffalo winning this twenty four
0: to ten. Well, I've got Buffalo winning this as well twenty three to twenty. On the road in Houston, and
1: Houston's good, but I think I like this Buffalo team. Yep, I, I like Josh Allen from University of Wyoming. Great young quarterback. Uh, if you remember a couple years ago, Buffalo came in here and gave beat up the Vikings and took their lunch money in one game. Um, Buffalo's just, just a really good team. They're really coming around. I think they're going to really show some muscle and show who they are. And Houston at home, weather should not be
0: an issue here uh, in, in Houston.
1: In the Dome, better not be.
0: All right, what is the next game?
1: Uh, next game is Tennessee. Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans. He came down mid-season and has really turned things around there after uh, a tough career start at Miami against New England uh, at 12 and four. Tennessee was nine and seven. You know New England doing uh, 12 and four, and they're all saying they're done. But you look at New England's first six games of the year; not really the hardest games in the world. New England is a five-point favorite with a 44 and point over/under. I have Tennessee win win
0: 17-13. Interesting. I've got New Orleans. I got the I mean uh, New England Patriots winning 25-17, but the Tennessee team would not be surprised if they pulled an upset here. New England could have weather impacting on that game tonight.
1: Yes. That's kind of why I got the lower score there. Um, you know, everybody's saying, oh, this could be Tom Brady's last game there. He might go elsewhere. Tom Brady, to me, kind of has an ego. He wants to go down on top like Elway did, like, Manning, like Peyton Manning did. I don't think Brady's going to be one well of quarterbacks like Montana or Johnny Unitas, who – no, I'm going to go somewhere else and play for two years. I still got gas and tank. I think Brady's going to retire a Patriot. He won't go elsewhere. That's it. He'll be one team, and that's it. I
0: agree. I agree with that.
1: Because there's rumors saying that uh, the offensive coordinator for the Patriots, Josh Donaldson. Could go elsewhere, and Brady would go with him. Brady ain't going anywhere. He's going back home. to If He goes anywhere. He's not going to go to a different team. He'll retire a Patriot.
0: And it's going to impact their draft uh, uh, as well, drafting for a quarterback. They need to know when he's going to be done, and if he's going to stay, that's one thing. And if he's going to be done, and you don't want to get into that Green Bay Packers fiasco where they had Favre, and then and they drafted Rodgers. Rodgers set the bench. And two or three years? Two or three years, every time, assuming Favre would be done, and he'd come out of retirement, essentially, or not retire, I, I should say, to play one more year, and then it gets to be confusing.
1: Well, the Patriots had a good backup quarterback, but he's got a bye week right now for San Francisco plays next week. So, uh,
0: Bobby, yeah, what's his name? Garoppolo? Jimmy G. Jimmy Garoppolo.
1: Jimmy. So what have we got for the next game, then? Sunday at noon. Sunday games, both NFC games. Yes, on Fox, Noon. Minnesota Vikings, 10-6 at New Orleans Saints, 13-3. The Saints are, this way it goes, they're so close. The Saints end up being a home team in a wild card where they could have been a number one seed if everything would have fell right on that last one in that night game. But uh, in that game, the Saints, here's the big up one. The Saints are 7.5-point favorite, 49.5-point over-under. I'm going to get... Uh, lose a lot of Christmas cards on this one. Probably I get invited to a few birthday parties, might lose some friends on Facebook for this. But I got the Saints winning 41 to 7. I just got the Saints are upset, they want respect, but they're just gonna put their foot on the throat and just keep going. And they're just gonna open up a can of it and just throttle them.
0: Yeah, this game is in, in New Orleans mm-hmm. uh, in the dome. Weather will not be a factor in the And the Vikings have that NFC Championship game back in 2010 that had uh far uh, injury there that I think are still are still sore are st- still sore about that. And I've got the actual Vikings winning here in this game 41-28 in a high scoring affair.
1: they had the miracle here a couple years ago against the Saints. Saints are upset about last year's playoff game with the Pastor Interference one. But if you look back, what was it in eighty six? Anthony Carter game with the Vikes against the Saints. The so Vikes had their nice little run there. Uh, they went into New Orleans, won that game. They went to beat highly ranked San Francisco the second round for the Vikes. And then Darren Nelson dropped the ball off goal line against the Redskins.
0: That is correct. Now, this game will be on Fox, which means we'll get the old Joe Buck,
1: Troy, Troy Aikman. Yes. Tumble. We should, yes. And then after that, at three 340 on NBC, is the Seattle Seahawks 11-5 <laughs> at the Philadelphia Eagles 9-7. Seattle's actually a point-and-a-half favorite forty five and a half point over under I, I like both these teams I I really want to see both these teams win that can't happen I got Seattle winning 12 to seven
0: ooh low scoring now is there going to be a weather impact here out
1: in Philly I, I've heard it may not be that game but this weekend they've had some weather out there so I don't know what it's going to be like
0: I've got Seattle winning 31 to 10 over Philly at Philly and like you said you're right this is the only only one game here where the Visiting team is actually favored, but remember Philadelphia is only eight and eight.
1: Nine and seven.
0: Nine and seven. They did okay. They won that last game nine and seven, so they have the poorest record of anyone in the playoffs here for the NFC. Uh, I don't think they're going to match up well against that Seattle
1: team. So right. I've got a thirty-one well ten, high-scoring affair. You look at Seattle a couple years ago. Uh, the Saints had won the Super Bowl, then they come back in as a wild card and they had to play Seattle at Seattle, and Seattle were eight and eight that year. Oh, the Seattle! They shouldn't be in the playoffs, but Seattle got to host it, and Seattle won that game. Well, now Seattle's on the other side of that one right now, so I don't know if they're a little scared. But uh, that's the way it's lined up. AFC: the number one seed was Baltimore, two was Kansas City. Uh, and NFC: number one was San Francisco, two was Green Bay. They go lowest seed plays highest seed, so we don't know too after these games are played who's where. As far as Vikings are concerned, the Vikings win. They will play at San Francisco next week. Um, so that's where locally your interests lie you win you go to San Francisco that's that's kind of the joy being to succeed you know where you're going if you win yeah, no anyone home, else no you gotta more, wait and see everybody else does no
0: more home games also for these uh, uh, for instance the Vikings uh, and so the next weekend will be the divisional playoff games yep. four games again two on Saturday two on Sunday and uh, that is it anything else for NFL sports this weekend
1: uh, no that's all I got for sports in general this weekend
0: Awesome. We'll move into the music segment. All right, let's move into the music segment of the show. What have we got for us today, Andy? Any news? Yeah. Birthdays? Kind of anniversaries? This you know, time of year?
1: Going over the recap of uh, This Week in Music History, you know, cover a lot of the rock and roll music here. When you're covering New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, lots of deaths and incidences and concerts and everything else. So, just kind of picked out a few here. Um, 1956, this week in 1956, Elvis Presley made music history when he had 10 songs in the top 100 for the charts. Wow. That's, you know, some guys don't get 10 songs in their career. You had 10 at one, at one time. In the top 100.
0: Okay. In one calendar year, yep. 10 songs appeared in the top 100.
1: No, and just to show you musical styles between the UK and the United States. December 29th, 1984, Band Aid was the number one song in the UK with their Do They Know It's Christmas song. <laughs> but here in the United States, number one at the time was Madonna's Like a Virgin. So there's two different, totally different songs right oh, yeah. there. Yes. Two totally different songs. December 31st, 1984. Def Leppard drummer Rick Allen crashed his Corvette Stingray on the I-57 outside Sheffield. Allen lost his left arm in the accident. Allen was on his way to a New Year's Eve party at his family's home when a Jaguar passed him. The driver had been egging Allen on and would not allow him to pass. In the rage to pass the driver, he did not see a turn up ahead and lost control of the car. He was thrown from the car and his left arm was severed due to the seatbelt not being properly fastened. Wow. Yeah, I can remember, it's in England, so the driver's on the other side. I didn't know that, okay. So the seatbelt was on, that's where he lost his left arm. Stories were afterwards when the rest of the band went to see him in the hospital. He's laying in the bed, and he had two pillows propped up by his feet. He's like, mates, I could still play drums with my feet. That I could do this. And they're like, this man's out of his mind, you
0: know? He was already thinking I mean, ahead. he was
1: known as the God of Thunder beforehand. You look at their first album with Def Lover. He was just awesome drummer. Still was an awesome drummer, don't get me wrong, but just, the God of Thunder, he pounded hard, fast, everything else. And he laid in the hospital bed, figured out how to do it with his feet. And you can't tell by listening today what songs off what album by listening to him play. Very talented musician. Uh, December 31st, 1985. Ricky Nelson, father of Gunner and Matthew Nelson. Uh, Ricky Nelson, one of my favorite singers growing up. Uh, but he was killed by six others when his chartered uh, light aircraft crashed in Texas. Um, there were some other issues about that flight, but you know what? I guess I'm kind of a home run. I was a fan of Ricky Nelson. I don't want to know the reasons. I mean, I know the reasons why, but there was, well, it might have been this, it might have been that, they might have been doing this. Poor man died in a plane crash. I'm just going to leave it at that. Hmm. Um, now, tell me if you don't think you would have paid money to see this concert. December 31st, 1991, the Cow Palace in San Francisco, California. Pearl Jam, Nirvana, and the Red Hot Chili Peppers all appeared on the same bill. Wow. That would have been a nice concert to be at. 1991. Okay. Yep. Interesting. Yep. I don't care what order they came out in. That'd be, three bands. No. be fun to see. Um, January 1st, 1953. Uh, American singer, songwriter, and musician Hank Williams died of a heart attack brought on by a lethal cocktail of pills and alcohol at the age of 29. Hmm. I never realized he was that young. No, I didn't know that either. did not know that. Uh, six years later, January 1st, 1959, Johnny Cash played a free concert for the inmates at San Quentin Prison, California. Now, here's the one part I didn't know, though I did my, my homework on this. One of the audience members was a 19 year old kid named Merle Haggard, who was in the midst of a 15 year sentence. He served to three for Grand Theft Auto and armed robbery. So, one of the odds, Merle Haggard was in that crowd. Wow. You know, Sam Quentin. Yep. Uh, January 3rd, 1987. Aretha Franklin became the first woman inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Wow. Gotta love Aretha. Um, January 4th, 2009. Led Zeppelin singer Robert Plant was voted greatest voice in rock by listeners of a radio station, Planet Rock. Plant beat out Queen's Freddie Mercury, Free's Paul Rogers, and Deep Purple's Ian Gillan as a top spot in a UK poll.
0: Hmm. Interesting.
1: I think you could put those four in any order, I wouldn't argue. Deep with it. purple. Oh, no, sure. Freddie uh, Mercury. Birthdays. There's only a couple of birthdays this week. Uh, December 30th, 1942. Mike Nesmith of the Monkees. The Monkees. Now, he never went on the reunion tour back in the 80s. And money wasn't an issue for Mike. He had a grandma. I believe it was his grandma or his mom. invented something called Whiteout. Money wasn't a real issue for him. That's Michael Nesmith. That's right. The tall guy with a stocking cap on. Yep. Hmm. And then uh, December 31st, 1963, Scott Ian of Anthrax. Scott Ian, okay. And that's birthdays and music history. What's in your uh, Walkman this week there, Mr. Dan? Well, this week I'm listening to an album by Poison. The 1988
0: Open Up and Say Ah. The reason I picked that is I wanted to go through the, uh, that had the infamous cover
1: I have that
0: one. Yep, and, and so do I. Yep. I have the cover. They I had to about to go go re- the other
1: one.
0: They had to go back and reissue it. It had the uh model by the name of Bambi on the front, um, kind of a a demon-looking person with a long one foot long tongue. So Poison came out with this in 1988, it had to go back and redo on a censored version to get it. But this was the same time Poison was coming out with their second album, uh, after their first one, Look What the Cat Dragged In. And It was all part of this glam rock and roll, glam metal, and they got kind of a bad boy image. Uh, Actually, the censoring of this cover art really helped them out with the bad boy image, but this is Poison's second studio album. came out in 1988 by Enigma Records. It proved to be the band's most successful release, release because it had four hit singles, nothing but a good time, Fallen Angel. Your Mama Don't Dance, which is a cover song uh, written by Kenny Loggins, uh, and their only number one single, Every Rose Has Its Thorn. Very good album. Uh, only thirty six minutes. This is a this is a one of these quick albums, ten songs, not a lot of long. Did that one have Back to the Rocking Horse on it? Back to the Rocking Horse. Yes. Track number three was Back to the Rocking Horse.
1: That was my favorite song on that album. I don't know why, just I really love that song. Remember that one?
0: Yeah, and I liked uh, "Loving the Rocks" and "Bad yep. to Be Good."
1: Yep, all really good songs on that album.
0: But uh, they had all the the popular ones that really took them over uh, to the top. Every rose has its thorn. Was number one for three straight weeks on the Billboard Hot 100. Um, th- this group had Brett Michaels, C.C. DeVille, Bobby Dahl, Ricky Rocket, and very good back in the back in the day when this thing came out, and it went. Certified five times platinum. I believe Ricky Rocket plays with Lita Ford every now and then. There's a lot of of connections there as well. In fact, the album was recorded and mixed at Conway Recording Studios in L.A. Paul Stanley from Kiss was supposed to be selected to produce this album. And due to some scheduling conflicts, um, they instead worked with Tom Worman to produce this. um, And he had previously worked with Ted Nugent, Cheap Trick, Twisted Sister, and Motley Crue. In the previous year, before this album came out, Poison covered that song, Rock and Roll All Night, also by Kiss. And so they were kind of an up-and-coming Kiss type of a band with the glam and the makeup and, and everything and uh, releasing these songs. The themes of this album, the themes relate directly to partying, lost innocence, lost love, antisocial behavior, and sex, of course. But uh, it's very interesting. Vocalist Brett Michaels allegedly wrote the band's most successful single, Every Rose Has Its Thorn, in response to a failed love affair with a Los Angeles stripper. Poison had been playing at the cowboy bar called the Ritz in Dallas, Texas. And after the show, Michaels called the woman at her apartment and heard a man's voice in the background. Heartbroken, he wrote the song with an acoustic guitar in a laundromat in Dallas, for his song "Every Song," every rose has its thorn. What do you think of that, Andy?
1: It's shocking that those relationships with strippers never work out. <laughs> uh, these guys, in fact, they they came they came from rural
0: Pennsylvania, packed yes. up and moved and got into the L.A. scene and, and made it big. But all these guys are from Pennsylvania.
1: Uh, Brad Michaels has done a couple country music albums, I recall. Um, Bobby Dahl has done some other work. Ricky Rock and I believe is. On the Twitter, I don't think this is just a bit, goes by Reverend Ricky Rocket now. So Bobby Dahl has cleaned up his act. Uh, they all had things. Uh, Brett Michael, I know early in the day, he's a big spokesman for diabetes. who uh, got diabetes. And he'd have to go through the show every now and then, go off stage and check his blood sugar every now and then. Okay. Which really meant nothing with all the drinking and drugs they were doing at the time, um, how he survived and blows me away. But uh, he's kind of cleaned up his act a little bit too, and he d- he still tours, and it's really weird. You uh, see tour dates, Poison's on tour this summer, and he's doing solo stuff tours. So I don't know when he has time to do anything else. But uh, these guys
0: these guys stay busy. It is uh, another one of these. Uh, we get these as they get older. You start seeing them at smaller smaller venues, smaller arenas. He's on still that, touring.
1: He's on that tour this summer, coming with Motley Crue and Def Leppard. He and is John Jett. Yep. Ah. It's Poison, not him, but he's with Poison's. I don't know if C.C. DeVille's touring with them or not, though, on this
0: revamp. I'm not here. sure. He's the one who ultimately led to his departure in 1991 with C.C. DeVille's Substance Abuse Problems. And um, but Like you say, a lot of these guys, they've cleaned up their act. They're still out there in various uh, shapes and forms with different bands. And this, this album only got as high as number two in the charts. Remember, this thing went five times platinum and only hit number two, but they were up against Bon Jovi's New Jersey CD album that came out that year and
1: a lot of good songs on this album I really I liked this one better than the first one to tell you the truth but a lot of good songs on this one
0: and the the uh, two two other notes I was going to mention here for the listeners they may not know the music video for the second single Fallen Angel features a model and aspiring singer actress named Susie Hatton at the time at the time that was Brett Michaels girlfriend she went on to be in Baywatch ah and then that uh, fourth single that was re- released was Your Mama Don't Dance. Also was the, that was a 1972 cover song written by Kenny Loggins. And uh, I think it was Mike Messina. Loggins and Messina. Did Messina. That. Loggins and Messina. That was on their 19, uh, 1972 self-titled album, Your Mama Don't Dance. And that really went
1: over the top and people really loved uh, that one. And if you listen to the Loggins and Messina version of that, they really didn't change it much. A lot of times when bands do a cover, they, they rock it all up. They didn't really have to do that much. Augustus Monsens was a pretty good good time to start with. Yeah.
0: So if you have any um, uh, questions or comments or stories about that, feel free to leave that in the comment section. But that's the album review of the of the day of the week. Uh, Poison open up and say ah.
1: If you have an album you want us to review or talk about, please list that. Uh, like we said before, if there's any we kind of keep it middle school based here for sports teams. Uh, if you want us to cover your high school alma mater, you want to hear how they're doing in sports, drop us a line, let us know. Uh, wherever you're living now, your college or pro team, let us know who that is and we'll keep them in our updates as we go. Um, this is your hometown team too. And we'll keep them listed.
0: Perfect. That's all i got for today. Today is January 4th, 2020. Andy, thanks uh, for the show. We've got uh, good updates here. Lots of uh, looking forward to next week's results from the playoffs, the NFL playoffs and the upcoming uh, preview for the national championship football game.
1: Yep. We will cover it all. Uh, don't forget, if you like us on whatever media you find us on, Spotify, Google, Play, or wherever, subscribe. You'll be noted right away when a new episode is launched.
0: Very good. And good luck with the football game today. We've got one bowl game starting at 1130, two NFL games today, and two NFL games on Sunday. Look forward to hearing you next week. Thank you.